0: Hey guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Bye Pumpkin. I am recording alone in my house. I haven't been alone in this house since March thirteenth. It's October, if you're wondering. And um, my kids are back in in-person school. I'm gonna talk about it on a episode of Princess on a bonus episode of Princess Diaries. Uh, I'm gonna tell you now. I don't feel great about it. I'm pretty sure everyone's gonna die but at least I get this day at home by myself, right? Am I right? No, there's other reasons that they had to go back into school, but I am um, still very, I have a lot of anxiety about it, and I'm just trying to figure out, I'm finding the, trying to find the good where I can, and they're riding the bus, and they're really excited about it, and they love their teachers, and they love going and they're actually getting the uh, special education help they're supposed to get and all that bullshit. And I get to be at home alone sometimes, so which is nice. Um, so I'm recording in the middle of the day, which is really weird for me. Normally it's late after everyone's gone to sleep, but I wanted to knock this out. Um, I Yesterday I recorded, or maybe not yesterday, but yesterday I published a um, bonus episode to the Patreon for Hogan Knows Best. That's, if you're not a member of Patreon, you can become one by going to patreon.com backslash Um I'm going to do another bonus episode probably tomorrow. You guys might get it on Saturday. And it's, um, I'm going to do it on that Netflix documentary, um, American Family Murder, Family Guy. What, what's it called? American Dad. What's it called? You know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to do a bonus episode on that that you guys are going to are about to get. So if you would, if you are not a member of the Patreon and would like to be go to patreon.com backslash pumpkin and join anything else I want to tell you guys. No, not really. Nothing. Nothing else is really going on around here. Um, I mean some stuff, but I think I can wait until we get to, um, princess diaries to talk about, the personal shit that's going on. Um, let's talk about the real L word the other day. Someone asked me what season I was on. And I told them I was recapping a a show called girls in LA. That is not the name of this fucking show, (laughs) but it could be, it could be, um, we're on season one, episode three. It first aired July 4th of 2010, July 4th. Okay. Um, and it's the Valentine's Day episode. The first thing that they ask everyone when they're doing their more professional talking heads, the one where it looks like they brought them into a studio to do after, to kind of do an interview after everything was shot. Um, they ask them what Valentine's Day means to them. Nikki and Jill say it's a mushy day. Like, you know, think about what it would be like to have it with your best girlfriend. And that's what it is. Tracy says... It's more memorable with a woman. Mikey says it's a greeting card holiday and he hates I keep wanting to call Mikey he, but Mikey, as far as I understand, identifies as a she. If you know different, let me know. You can email me at hello at bypumpkinpodcast.com or you can tweet me at okaythenprincess. But I want to because I have a cousin named Mikey and that is why I keep going he, he, he. But as far as I know, Mikey's a she. Mikey says it's a greeting card holiday and she hates it. Uh, Rose used to spend Valentine's Day with three women at a time. Like a morning Valentine's Day, an afternoon Valentine's Day, and a late night. And you know what? I believe her. <laughs> Whitney says that she doesn't, when she has a Valentine's, an awesome day, and when she's not, fucked those chocolates. Guys, I bet Whitney's never alone. I... I understand that, you know what? Let's save that for Whitney when I get to Whitney. Let's start off with the boring O's, Jill and Nikki. I understand why Jill and Nikki need to be on this show. So think about what the producers of this show were trying to do. They were trying to show you all facets of lesbianhood, right? Not, I mean, you can't show all, but a good variety. Like this is what this looks like. That's what that looks like. and maybe not lesbianhood, because like I said, some of these girls are bisexual. Um, so of uh, women with women. I'd say that. it's more inclusive. Um, so they wanted to show us all kinds of ways that could look like. And Jill and Nikki are a real couple, a solid couple. They are they are a typical couple. They're normal, they're typical, they're average. They're all those things, and that's great. and like I totally like get that. The reason, but they're boring to watch because it's just they don't have a lot of conflict in their storyline. If they had been unmarried at first sight, I would absolutely fast forward through their through their scenes because I'd be like, what am I watching? If I, I know lots of people in good marriages, And I could easily watch one of them be in a good marriage and experience that. I don't want to turn on TV and watch that. But I get why they're here. Um, Derek's still there. So Jill tells us that Derek is a wonderful guy, but she's happy the way the friendship, where the friendship landed. And that she's really excited to begin her life with Nikki. Okay. This is what I wanted last week. Cause last week it was very much like everybody was up in the air and you know, this is probably a trick of editing just to like, kind of like put a little excitement in their segments. She probably said this like 10 seconds after she said the other shit, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, this like hearing her say that it's like, okay, I get that. You know? uh, (laughs) so what Jill is doing, she's going out with Derek to buy Nikki a flip cam. So she and Nikki can document their lives together. Guys, if you have been paying attention to my Hogan Knows Best recaps on the Patreon, I have been talking about flip cams. It turns out, I don't know what a flip cam is. (laughs) I thought a flip cam was one of those little video cameras that had the little flippy thing on the side and you could flip so you could see, you can get a, a further view of what you were recording. Or you can flip to the other side, not further, but you flip to one side so that you can see what you're recording, but you can also flip it so that you, if you're in front of the camera, you can also see. That's not what a flip camera is. A flip camera is an actual thing. Like, I don't know why they call it a flip camera, but that's not what it is. And (laughs) the fact that I've spent weeks talking about flip cams only to find out I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about is frankly on brand. <laughs> it's frankly on fucking brand. That's what it is. Um, but they want to document their lives together. So Jill's getting her that for Valentine's day. Later, Nikki goes to her mom's. I mean, so they get the, they figure it out. You know, she's all over Derek. <laughs> and again, I don't want to imply that she's fucking Derek. Cause she's not, or that she can't, or that she's, or that she's, she really wants to be with Derek because I don't necessarily think that's true either. But I guess I do think that Jill is a very touchy feely person and like, she's very much like, I love you, Derek. This is why I brought you. You're so amazing. Let's get married. (laughs) And I honestly think that if Jill and I knew each other, I probably wouldn't like her because she seems very soft and she seems very pleasy, and very emotional. And I'm not saying that I'm not emotional, I'm a very emotional person, except people call it passion with me because it's usually anger. But But I have this thing where, like I used to work with someone who would, who was just like really, really socialized to be like always nice and always be the good person and good girls don't say anything and like I'm not going to say what I really mean and it used to really bother me because what I value most of all in people is knowing where I stand and you saying one thing but meaning another really pisses me off so if you say everything's okay but then later on you're crying because you're like it actually wasn't okay I'd be very angry about that and so she, since she's a very like Mary Sue type of person, and I'm not. It was very hard for me to work with her because it was hard for me to trust her words. And then I'm a very direct person, um, even confrontational, but not like confrontational, like let's fight in the Walmart parking lot, but more like, oh, there's a problem? What's the problem? Oh, well, you said that. So you oh, you told her that you had a problem with the process. So let's talk about it. Like I'm not gonna go through four people to come to figure out what you what's going on with you. I'm gonna come to you. I'm gonna walk in your office. I'm gonna be like, hey, so I heard that there's some drama with the report of the thing, and and so what's up? And I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna like figure out what's going on with you. I'm going to see if we can compromise. If we can come together, I'm gonna stand my ground on the shit that I will not give up on, and I'm going to. Try to incorporate what you want in there as well. But I'm not what I'm not gonna do is write a bunch of fucking passive aggressive emails, talk to a bunch of other people about it, and then show and then like expect something to happen. I'm gonna go directly to the source. And for some people, that's too aggressive. Like honestly, for some people, just going up to them and be like, Hey, I um I heard you're mad at me. You wanna talk about it? It's too aggressive. Like I made that other woman cry. She's much older than me. Not much older than me. She's like 15 older years older than me. Maybe she might even be 20 years older than me. Close to 20 years older than me. And that she cried many times over interactions with me where I was not being like, listen, I know when I can be a bitch. I wasn't being a bitch. I was just being like, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that for this for these reasons. And then she'd be like, oh, "Okay, that's fine." And then she'd cry about it to somebody else later. Like a few times, I had to go into the office to talk to her, even though I don't, I didn't work in that office, because I was like, I can't do this over IM anymore. Because uh, even, even like, if you have direct communication, like if you have um, text communication with me, I'm st- I'm a very direct person in text too. Um, I just started using emo- <laughs> emojis. I didn't use emojis for years. And it would really, like, throw a lot of people off because I would just say exactly what I mean and not throw, like, a heart behind it. I, in fact, even now, I don't use them that much. <laughs> if, you, if you text with me, you'll be like, I, I just don't. And I just started doing LOL and shit like that. I didn't used to do that. Like, I just figured you would know I was laughing by what I was saying. But apparently people were like, no, <laughs> it sounded... <laughs> so... I have a feeling that Jill would fall into that camp with me. And I also have a feeling like she would cry a lot or she'd be like very touchy and like want hugs and stuff. And I'd be like, why are we hugging in a camera store? <laughs> but I, again, I might be like reading too much and this. She hasn't seen Derek in a while. He's very close to her. This is probably not something she does with a coworker. Um, I am someone that you work with that you that people often assume that they're very good friends with me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just be, just <laughs> I was actually explaining this to a coworker the other day that like, um, I don't care about anybody here. I, I'm not going to care about anybody here because this is where I get my money from and I'm not going to like get into arguments with people. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to care about people here. And she was like, but you're so, cause she gets into arguments and things. And she was like, but you're so nice. And I was like, I'm nice cause I don't care. For you to be that mad, you have to care. And I don't, I don't, I don't care what we do as long as we all agree, as long as we all get on the same page and do it together. That's what I care about. I don't care about this other stuff. I don't care about who went to lunch with who. And I don't care about whether somebody sends me an IM message or comes into the office or I don't like a lot of that shit. I don't really care about. I don't, I don't get entangled with my coworkers that way. And that might be because I'm cold at work, but I don't think so. I think it's more like, I'm just chill. This ain't my life. Like my life is away from here. I'm here to produce, here to work I'm here to finish projects and make things easier for the people around me I'm here to work well with other people and people generally do like working with me but they will tell you that I'm not going to come to the Christmas party and I'm not going to be at the potluck because I think potlucks are the scourge of the earth I don't know if you guys are washing your hands I don't know if you're letting cats help you I saw a video on Twitter not too long ago where a cat was in a bowl on a on a kitchen counter I'm just like why why is that and then what are you going to make in that bowl Okay, you're gonna wash it. Are you gonna wash it? Because y'all always say you're gonna wash it, but then you don't wash it. And there's fucking cat hair in the damn potato salad, which is why I don't eat the potato salad. Actually, I don't eat potato salad because they put mayonnaise and mustard in it. At least my mom does. I don't. That's why I don't eat potato salad. A lot of things that have a prefix and then salad at the end is just mayonnaise. So, <laughs> I'm off topic. Okay, <laughs> but um, so Jill's just very like you know they're hugging and stuff and. She's like, I'm so happy you're here. And then the next time we see Nikki, Nikki is going to her mom's dance studio. And I don't know that her mom owns the dance studio. I think her mom works at the dance studio. Or maybe she's a partner in a dance studio or something like that. Or, or she doesn't own it. Because what happens is Nikki talks to, um, I'm assuming either, either, her mom's partner or her mom's boss or her mom's coworker, somebody. And, um, she decides that she, what she's going to do is that neither she nor Jill can dance. I feel you. I'm in the same boat, <laughs> which is why I'm always watching dance movies like step it up or step up, step up, not step it up. Step it up is probably some old school, uh, movie where an old lady decides that she's gonna start dancing in her 60s and she's just like gotta step it up (laughs) she's got leg warmers and shit (laughs) Step Up is a series of 15 to 20 movies where people dance in the streets (laughs) and I like to watch it like that and I like to watch K-pop dance rehearsal footage it's not dance, see dance rehearsal footage sounds like Somebody ran in there and was just like checking it out while they're doing their dance rehearsals. That's not what it is. They have practiced their dance to a point where they're ready to like do a video of it, and so they do that. And it's for like it's really for it's really content for YouTube pages and fan engagement and shit like that. But I like to watch that. I'm always like I love when people. I love when people in a group dance together. <laughs> In synchronicity. And I'm like, oh my God, look at them doing the same fucking thing at the same time. Crazy. <laughs> um, on, on this week's bonus episode, I absolutely talked about Footloose at length <laughs> for the entire fucking episode. And then after I finished recording that, because I'd watched the Footloose remake, I watched the original Footloose. Because <laughs> I don't know. I think people... Like dancing in unison seems, I don't know. They seem happy <laughs> and they seem, I don't know. It's, it's something I could never fucking do, you know? And I think that's what draws me to a lot of things. It's, it's one of the reasons I got into reality TV. It's one of the reasons I love documentaries. Um, I'm saying documentary, right? Right? Because Liz is going through this thing where she is talking about how she says documentary, but now, because she started making me think about how I say, how people say documentary, I'm like, am I saying it right? Am I adding an extra syllable? Am I losing a syllable? But you know what, scratch that. Don't don't contact me to tell me what, how I'm pronouncing words because bitch, I already know I'm pronouncing words incorrectly. I already know that. I'm living in this body my whole fucking life. I, my whole life, I've been reading words and only later realized I've been pr- pronouncing them wrong. Actually, um, I talked about the word kfab, which is the the concept that wrestlers in the ring have a persona, a storyline, a universe in the ring that does not match up with their real lives. It's a fake universe. That is not how you say the word. I think it's Kafabe. And i could be wrong too, but I've only read the word. So that's, so I pronounce it the way I guessed it was pronounced. But like, yeah, there's no need to contact me about mispronounced words. Uh, I, I know I do it. So anyway, so that's one of the reasons I get into documentaries. It's one of the reasons I love reality TV because I really like seeing what other people do. Like I would love like a four part documentary about like, where they just follow, like, live in a firehouse for four days and see what it's like, like, what the job is like, what you have to do to get the job, what kind of people. I'd love for them to talk about what kind of backgrounds these people come from, what makes them wanna do it, um, how in some places it's a really fucking good job, and people have been trying for years to get in. I love that. I love anything where you go behind the scenes. That's why music documentaries really get me. I just watched the Think Pink one. Um, I loved it. I absolutely fucking loved it. Loved it. I am mesmerized by because I don't watch those videos. I don't. I'm not a, like on their YouTube page watching. I think Pink is a is a K-pop band for women. Um, I am mesmerized by the fact that their songs sound one way, but when they talk, it sounds another way. Um, especially the Black Scent, that Lisa, who is my favorite, by the way, Lisa puts on when she's rapping. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by how skinny they are. They are super tiny, tiny, tiny girls. Um, the idea that Lisa left Thailand and did only could say hello in Korean and went to her K-pop training, just all she could say is hello. She speaks English beautifully. She speaks, um, it says Thai. I'm not sure what the language, uh, the Thai speak, but when I, I always have, um, I have hearing issues and I and I also read faster than I could hear things anyway. And so I always have closed captioning up for whatever I'm watching. Um, I would not be surprised if I lost my hearing Uh. In the next twenty years, I wouldn't be surprised if I needed hearings or whatever. But in terms of processing things, this is one of the, this is another reason why I didn't really get into YouTube um, when it first because I don't like watching people do things. I don't like hearing people do things. Um, that's why I came. That's another reason I came to podcasts and audio books and things late. Is I am a faster reader than I could ever comprehend what you're saying to me. So I always have um, closed captioning up on whatever I'm watching. And they said she was speaking in Thai. So maybe that is like the language of Thailand. But anyway, so she speaks Korean, cause she had to learn that for, uh, to be in her K-pop training. She speaks English, she speaks Thai. She she flips through all three effortlessly. Like no question, I, at no point did I see her seem unfamiliar, uncomfortable speaking to any of them. Great. She's super cute. She just, she's got, she's just got like a, I don't know, a happy demeanor about her. And she just seems like a nice person to be around, a cool person to be around. And when she's talking, she's very like, you know, like almost like how I'm talking now. Like I don't have a, don't, I, I, I don't speak in a way that makes you think I'm black if you have not met me. Um, Many times people have been on the phone and been surprised to meet me and that I was black. But when she raps... Listen, Iggy Azalea wishes she was Lisa, okay? The way she fucking switches into that black scent is crazy. But anyway, like, I really enjoyed watching that documentary because I was like... This is like, I don't know. They were explaining like what it's like to be in the training house. Um, like how they would have to, you all these levels that you'd have to be in there. And someone was saying that some people spend 10 years training and never make it, never make their debut, which means that they actually get in a group and record something and get like to release a single. And I'm like, damn. So I like, I love a slice of life. I love it. I love when people give me, Everything that they used to, that they, that they, that I'm not used to because I'm a very specific person and I can't, and sometimes I literally can't relate to other things. And that's a blind spot of mine, blind spot of mine, excuse me, blind spot of mine. Um, and I just... And so when I do that, when I'm reading book, like memoirs, I love a fucking memoir where you just tell me your fucking story and all the behind the scenes and shit I never fucking knew. Love that shit. So why am I talking about this? I don't fucking remember. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about this because I love dance movies because I can't fucking dance. I don't dance. I don't know how. That's it. <laughs> it's. And so even though I call Jill and Nikki boring as fuck, <laughs> at least at least we have something in common there. I don't know how to fucking dance in so they're day. So what she's gonna do, she's gonna buy a dance, uh, like seven lessons so that they can dance together at their wedding, which, you know, it, that's like a, I wouldn't care about dancing at a wedding, but that's a sweet gift to have considering that they're gonna have this big event and they, you know, it's people usually dance together at their weddings. Um, and so like, it's something seven, seven lessons is like seven weeks of you guys learning to move together. I think that's a sweet gift. But the reason I was thinking about it is because she paid for it. She swiped a card and paid for it. So that's not her mother's dance studio because if it was her mother's dance studio. Her mother would have been like, no, you don't, don't pay for this. Right? Your mom's not gonna make you pay for that. Every time I go to my mom's house, I used to get, I used to leave with a plate of food, some new clothes, <laughs> some electronics that they couldn't use. <laughs> you want this washing machine? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> my mom wouldn't charge me for anything. And, I've, and I likely wouldn't charge my mother for anything either. So, <laughs> um, uh, so Nikki and I guess, Derek goes home. I feel like there was a scene where Derek goes home. Guys, I I cannot remember this fucking show. Like I said, it's been years since I watched it because I can't have my kids looking at Romy's tits on the big screen TV. So um, I feel like there was a scene where Derek goes home. So I wonder where he is. Is he not staying with them? Maybe. Um, So they wake up at 6 a.m. on Valentine's Day. The cameraman is in the room with them. Another fake wake-up scene, but it seems real. So what the fuck is going on? Is the cameraman sleeping all night? Is the cameraman in the walls? What's going on here? <laughs> By the way, I was just looking at new shit on Netflix I wanted to watch, and <laughs> there's a, um, a movie called his house. And I really shouldn't be talking about it because I'm home alone. I'm about to freak myself out. I'm not going to talk about it. (laughs) But all I'm going to say is it looks scary as fuck. (laughs) It looks so fucking scary. (laughs) I don't know who made it. I don't know who wrote it. But kudos to you, motherfucker, because you scared me on half a trailer that I had to turn the TV off. And thank God my husband came home in the next 10 minutes because I didn't know how I was going to get through it. (laughs) Because... It was, it was scary. Um, So if you like scary movies, it's called His House. It's on Netflix. Try it out. (laughs) All right. So they wake up at 6 a.m. on Valentine's Day. The reason I was thinking about that is because the house is like, there's something in the walls or in the house or something. It's crazy. But um, so it's Valentine's Day. They wake up at 6 a.m. It looks real. So I'm like unsure of how, like, I know that for him to go over there and, and film it at 6 a.m., someone had to open the fucking door and let them in. And I will say that Nikki gives me control freak vibes as a control freak. I recognize them, and I can't imagine it. someone's going to tell me, Hey, we're going to come over to your house at six o'clock in the morning to start filming you. And that I would not at least be up by 5am to make sure my house was clean and to be ready for them to get there. I cannot imagine that. I would just like be like, cool, cool, cool. I'll just stay in bed till you knock on the door and I'll come in and then you just come back into bed with me. Like, I, I can't imagine that, but whatever. So somebody knows how this works. Um, and they're giving each other, so they wake up and I guess they'd agree that they weren't going to really do much. And, I mean, I think this is a trap everybody falls in for Valentine's Day. Um, In terms of Valentine's Day, I don't think it means anything. It doesn't mean anything to me. But for lots of people, it's a big day to celebrate, and they want to show off their love, and they want to get gifts and stuff like that. And that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is... Well, I don't don't have a problem with this either. But then there's uh, a so I would say the first group is like me who might not even know it's Valentine's day. The second group is hyped on Valentine's day. And the third group hates Valentine's day. And for me, the don't care is fine. The love it is fine, but the hate on Valentine's day, I'm just like, if you don't like something, just don't fuck with it. Just move on. Like just live your life. Like it doesn't exist. You know, just do that. And I often think that people who spend a lot of time talking about how much they hate Valentine's Day or Christmas or anything else are doing that. Well, they don't know what hate is because the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. And the fact that you care so much about other people celebrating it or and dislike it so much means that you care very very much you care very much about it and so in our house we don't really celebrate valentine's day my husband might do something it depends um just because he he's a lover (laughs) he loves things he loves people (laughs) and He loves doing shit, and so he might do something nice for me. Um, And he's gotten, over the years, uh, my husband's not a great communicator. It's It's not in his DNA. And over the years, he's gotten to the point where on Valentine's Day, what he really wants to do is write some feelings down in the card, which is new for him and, like, unusual for him. And so I want him to do that so he can get it out and feel good about that. I mean, I know all the feelings anyway, but him expressing them, like I know them from observing him. Um, I'm pretty sure my husband loves me because he's obsessed with me. But if I had to count how often he's like, I love you. It's not, he doesn't do that very frequently. What he does do is I wake up in the middle of the night and he has gotten out of his bed, on the side of the bed, to kneel at my side of bed to hug me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And falling asleep. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I just want to be closer to you. I'm like, you're literally in this bed with me. Just (laughs) stop. (laughs) Like, so I know he loves me, but he's not someone that walks around going, I love you, I love you. I'm so happy to be in this marriage with you. That's not... I may give people the impression that he's a mushy person. He's not a mushy person, but he is a cuddle bunny. And so we, I talk about this all the time, love languages. My love language is acts of service. His is physical touch. Um, he doesn't need a lot of talking and he doesn't do a lot of talking, but he needs to be very close to you. He needs to... You need to be touching him for him. I mean, I, I will assume Tori Spelling's is as well. Physical touch and... And gifts. Um, I talked about. Oh, by the way. Oh, let's, let's talk about Tori Spelling. There's a reason I brought her up. She's been on my mind. So apparently, Tori Spelling is going to be a friend of on Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, next year, next season. It's it's not super confirmed, but it seems to be true because this is what everybody's talking about. But you know what? P- people say all kinds of shit that's true that ain't fucking true. Guys you don't want tori spelling on beverly hills tori spelling is poor yeah not poor like me poor in terms of poor like brandy glanville poor like robin on real housewives of potomac bitch is poor she's not aspirational she's not gonna be aspirational and two, she's non confrontational. She is terrified of people not liking her. She is scared of fights. She is scared to talk to anybody. Tori Spelling don't do that. No, 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 no. Tori Spelling cheated on a man, on a woman, on, excuse me, cheated on everybody. Tori Spelling cheated on her husband with Dean McDermott, her current husband, while on a movie set. As they were leaving the movie set, they decided they would go back to their home, their, their spouses and they would figure out whether they're gonna be in those marriages and then they would come back together. The husband, Dean, went on a vacation with his wife, son, and a daughter they were adopting and couldn't be on a vacation for more than two days before he was like, nah, fuck it, I'm out of this. Went to back to L.A., Got Tori, they held up in the Chateau Marmont for a few days until Tori's husband was like, Bitch, where are you? When are you coming home? You're my wife. And so instead of just being like, Listen, Charlie, his um our marriage isn't gonna work out for a number of reasons, but I'm actually in love with someone else, and I'm and I I can't, we need to end our marriage. Instead, she invites him to a therapist's office, her long-time therapist, where she sits down. He comes in, and the therapist ends the marriage. She is non-conference. She will do anything not to talk about shit. She has been in a fight with her mother for 45, 50 fucking years and has never spoken a word of it to her mother. Her mother knows because Tori keeps writing books about it. And talking about it on TV and in interviews and on reality TV shows, they don't talk about it. She's never gonna been like, "Well, mommy." Well, she still calls her mommy, mommy, mommy. I, I just feel like you stole my inheritance. I don't think that happened, but <laughs> maybe Tori does. Anyway, she's never said shit like that. She implies it other places. She's a very passive aggressive person. So you can't, you can't be, especially on Beverly Hills. You can't be poor. And not willing to start a fucking fight. This is the most boring shit you ever saw in your fucking life. No, you don't want her on there. And this, is I feel like this is just one of those things where they keep throwing out famous names for royal housewives of Beverly Hills. Actually, I don't think Tori lives in Beverly Hills. I really don't. Does she live in Calabasas? Maybe. She might live in a fucking valley. She was living in a valley for years. At one point, she was living in Malibu. I don't know like a lot about LA um, geography, but I'm going to tell you what, if that bitch live in Malibu (laughs) and has to film, you think Erica Jane lives far off, bitch. You think Erica Jane lives in Pasadena. You think Erica Erica Jane lives far. Tori Spelling might as well live in Nebraska. I don't, it's not going to work. And so let's say it's more believable that she's a friend of, right? But even I don't think she's a friend of. Is she might she be on the screen? Sure. Carney Wilson was on the screen for a couple of episodes. She wasn't a friend of. I'm just saying, Tori Spelling is no Faye Resnick. Tori Spelling is no Marlo Hampton. You even if so let's say she is a friend of, which is closer to being, which might make be which might be closer to the truth. All we're gonna see. Is Tori in the background of parties for Kyle? Because that's the person she's supposed to be a friend of. Fucking Kyle. Fucking hate Kyle. And and all you're going to see is her tasting food. Nodding. Maybe laughing. Talking about she got too many kids. Do me and Tori still have the same amount of kids now? Yeah. Yeah, me and Tori have the same uh, amount. Liam, Stella... What's that? What's that? Caddy, Addie. She's not, her name isn't Addie. What's her name? Hattie. <laughs> Liam Stella, Hattie. Finn, the one that like, they picked up in the fucking orphanage. And then, what's the last one? The last one that saved their marriage for the 56th time. Guys, I cannot believe I've forgotten the name of these motherfucking kids. Bodine. I used to have a whole fucking podcast where all I did was talk about Tori Spelling and her fucking kids. (laughs) Go over to Solid Listen Network's Patreon. My whole fucking podcast is over there. It still lives there, guys. (laughs) But anyway, all she's gonna do is talk about how she's got too many fucking kids and she's gonna be nodding a lot. Maybe she'll laugh. Maybe she'll bring up Beverly Hills 90210. That is all you're gonna get from fucking Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling confronts no one. The last time she confronted someone, the first and last time she confronted someone, I saw her confront someone, was on that show, True Tory, where she confronted Dean about saying that they weren't having sex and she confronted him about putting it in her butt. <laughs> she was like, Stop. I did things I've never done, things I've never wanted to do. For you and I mean she doesn't say, it, but we all figured out she's talking about putting it in the butt. What what in the butt? That's what happens. And she is confronting him about it. That's the that's the first and last time Tori's probably ever confronted anybody about every fucking, any fucking thing. So guess what? <laughs> she's gonna be bad on the show if she even is on the show. <laughs> The rants. If I didn't have this podcast, where would I be going on these rants at? Pick up time at the school. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Um. (laughs) I don't even know what I was talking about. Let me just finish up. Nikki and Jill. Nikki and Jill were. uh, They just. They. Uh. She gave her. Nikki gave Jill the lessons. And Jill said it was a thoughtful and useful present and sweet. And then Jill pretended like she wanted coffee and Nikki runs to go with the coffee. Nikki's in underwear and a shirt. And I'm like, she probably thinks she's being like very risque. (laughs) Cause I can, I can tell you right now that I would, I'd be like, oh my God, I got so risque. (laughs) I let them see me walk from the kitchen to my bedroom in my underwear. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But, but if that happened? I'd be like, oh my god, I'm basically a porn actress. <laughs> Meanwhile, Whitney and Romy are literally fucking on screen. <laughs> anyway, so um, like Jill, like is like, I need coffee, and then when she gets to the coffee maker, Jill has put the flip cam by the coffee maker and Jill goes back and Jill's like, I don't really want coffee. And, and, and Nikki's like, Oh, trickster goes back and they open the flip cam together. And he's like, we need to make a video. And Jill's like, we need to make our second video. She's already made a video, I guess of her standing in front of last Valentine's day where they went to, to eat or whatever. Um, this it's special because they used to be long. They were long distance for about seven months. And, them and normally last valentine's day jill had to leave the next day and that's how the relationship was and you know some people aren't cut out for long distance relationships and now they're just so happy they can be together all the time and that's great um i'm <laughs> nikki goes crazy on the fucking flip just fucking crazy flip cam you know like i said i call them boring i that's not to mean that they're like not good or not like you know, like they shouldn't be on the show. I'm not saying that, but they absolutely are never the first people I think of when I'm like, I want to go watch The Real L Word. So let's talk about Mikey next. Um, Mikey's playing tennis with someone I thought was her mom, but was <laughs> it, Mikey's friend. I was like, where'd she meet her, a nursing home? <laughs> uh, that's mean, princess, but I'm just, I... I want a context for this friendship. I want to know how they know each other. Um, they don't seem to be peers in a way. I'm not saying that you can't be friends with someone who, that person looked 20 years older than Mikey. I'm not saying you can't be friends with someone 20 years older than you, you can, but I want to know in what context, What? how did you find her? Um, so Raquel isn't really in this episode, uh, just this first part, cause she had to work, it's Valentine's day. They didn't think she had to work, but she does have to work. Um, And Mikey is pissed even though Mikey does not celebrate Valentine's Day. Mikey's one of those people that thinks it's a greeting card holiday and it's bullshit, blah, 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 and you should tell people you love them every day. Um, Raquel says, but... So the the only part we see of Raquel is Raquel saying she can't afford not to work. She just can't. And so that's interesting to think about. That... In terms of finances, if Raquel turns down a job, she, like, she, her finances are precarious. Um, that's interesting. And, you know, Mikey's a little pissed because Mikey says that when it's not fashion week, Mikey, Mikey uh, will take a few days off just to be Raquel. And, but Mikey, dude, Mikey, (laughs) Mikey, you own your company, you own it, and regardless of whether, I mean, it should work like this, I don't know if it does, but it should work like you have money coming in that you don't have to physically be in the office to make, because that's what well, maybe that's not what owning your own company is, but that's my understanding of what you're doing. That, like, you can find holes in your schedule that, like, you're not actually being paid hourly, you know? And as a makeup artist, I believe Raquel is. Like, Raquel, Raquel doesn't make money unless she's there putting makeup on people. So that's interesting. um uh, Raquel doesn't have the autonomy that you have, Mikey. So what the fuck? Um, so instead of spending time with Raquel, Mikey spending time with her aunt, Cat on Valentine's Day. That's not weird to spend Valentine's Day with your aunt. <laughs> but apparently, she works for Mikey, and Cat like Cat also like Mikey said she's grown up in a um, a rough part of town. She grew up in the projects. Um, her mom was young when she had her, and what she wasn't even sure she wanted to have kids. That sounds familiar. My mother never wanted to have kids. <laughs> she just accidentally had some. And I remember that growing up all the time that she just was like, I'm not saying she didn't love us because she did love us and my mom did take care of me to the best of her ability, but she was young and fucking stupid. And I I, I definitely know there were times she didn't want to have kids, which is like a direct, it's so opposite of me where I have all my kids on purpose. You know, my sister-in-law said to me, Uh, she was like, princess, I got all these kids. She has three kids. I got all these kids and I need some help. And I said, I got five kids. And she was like, well, you, you did that to yourself. You went out and got them kids. That's your problem. And I was like, bitch. And she said, that's your choice. I was like, that was your choice too, to have them fucking kids. Okay. I know it. You, you just didn't choose in the same way I did. And also, I know about your appointments that you had that you decided you didn't want to go through with. So you had a choice. You chose. You just... <laughs> but, I, I get what Mikey's saying. I understand exactly what she means about being like raised by someone was very ambivalent about motherhood. Who just was like, damn, I got caught. <laughs> and they're here. I guess I'll have them. <laughs> and the, them not like maybe not being super into motherhood, but, but, um, and that changes the way they raise you. And so her Aunt Kat was the one that really stepped in and took care of her a lot of times. And she really cares about her Aunt Kat. Um, also, um, Aunt Kat had cancer at some point and was like losing hair, I guess bald from chemo. And yeah, and so she wants to, Mikey wants to do something nice for her. She takes her to uh, a salon Get hair and makeup done. Um, Romy works there. So I want to talk about Romy here for a minute. I have an affinity for Romy. I really do. I Romy, like if we were ranking people I want to have sex with on this cast, um, I generally go for a nice stud. By the way, guys, Kara fucking Barry got me following this, I want to say Latina. I could, be, I could be wrong. These two Latina, well, one's a stud and one isn't, but sometimes they switch places. Sometimes they dress up in each other's clothes and shit. Gotta be following these bitches on fucking Instagram. And I always fucking forget until I go into Instagram and there's another video of them almost fucking on a counter. <laughs> and another video of them talking about how much they love each other. And another video of them talking about having, I'm like, And if Kara was here, she'd be like, Princess, I didn't tell you to follow them on Instagram. You didn't, Kara. But you point them out and you show me a bunch of pictures, and I was intrigued by some of the pictures. (laughs) And the next thing I know, I was following them, and I'm getting less sexy pictures (laughs) and more We're in Love. And I don't want to see that shit. I want. Basically, I should have joined their OnlyFans because. The Twitter shit is not, I mean, the, the Instagram shit is not helping. And every time I, I come upon one of their posts, I'm like, I'm still following these people. <laughs> and yet, I don't unfollow them. I don't. I just keep scrolling. I'm like, I oh, can't believe I'm still following these people. Just keep scrolling. <laughs> but I tend to like studs more than anything else. I tend, and studs, I mean, there's a couple of white people I would consider a stud, but, um, for me, I mean, they got to be a John B type, you know? <laughs> they got to get their hair cut in a black barbershop. But for me, even mask uh, white women are not studs. I mean, I don't know what the community calls them, but that's not that's not the definition for me. Like, Mikey isn't a stud to me, neither is Whitney. But, trying to name, I'm not even going to. But, um, I am attracted to Romy. Um a lot, even though she's a little more femme than I go for. Um, but you know what I'm attracted to her. I think she's super cute. I love a woman with the crystals. I think she's selling out essential oils and crystals right now. I love somebody who's like, here, take this crystal, it'll heal you. I love that shit. I love someone who says things like, I'm feeling your energy. <laughs> I love a Yama yeah, Fix Your Life type of bitch, you know. That's like until you get this healing. <laughs> so I I love that. I love some bitch that wears like one feather earring and no other. Definitely, definitely, I'm atta- I'm attracted to that. <laughs> and, and later she she starts a jewelry line. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're all right up my fucking alley. <laughs> and, and I just think she's really cute. I like her personality. I don't always like. Like I said, later she becomes the villain of the series. I don't always like everything she's done. I don't feel really like everything she's said. But I like Romy a lot. And I, I hope the people listening to this aren't going, well, Princess is always blaming Romy. Princess thinks Romy's fake. Princess thinks Romy shows up to film me. That's not... I mean, I do think she shows up to filming. I don't... I think she might have shown up whether the cameras are there or not, to be honest. But, but um yeah, dude, like... I'm not... <laughs> I'm not like anti-Romi I'm not I just believe that some of the back and forth between her and Whitney in this season is very childish and a lot of it has to do with Romy. <laughs> and I think she could be a shit star and do I think she's fucked up yeah dude I know she's fucked up that's even more that's even more reason for me to like her. I love a three-legged puppy. I lo- I've talked to you guys about this before. My therapist one day just read me, boots to house down about, about myself because I was telling her that I never intended to be like a mother and I, I didn't. I, I was never someone who was like, I'm gonna have these kids and I'm gonna do this. I was like, I'm probably not gonna have any kids. I don't see it happening. When? When would I have kids? And she was like, yeah, but she's like, but you are a mother figure. And I was like, well, since when? Like, I've only had these kids. At the time I, I started going to see this therapist, I maybe I had the kids less than a year. I was like, since when? I don't, I, I'm not, and I, they've been adopted just a few months. And she was like, yeah, but Princess, like, your entire life, you have been mothering people and things I can tell from your patterns that what you do is you scoop up broken, hurt, needy people and things, mother them to death, and then feel betrayed when once you've healed them and they move on. Like but that is the but that is the conceit of motherhood is that you will that you will love and take care of and boost and teach and like really just like build this this person up until they are strong enough to go on their own. That is, that is what being a mother is and being a mother is wherever you start at motherhood. Like if you adopt older or if you give birth and you have a baby from the second it's born, whatever you, wherever you start, the conceit of motherhood is that you will mother less and less and less and less over time. Every day they will be stronger, smarter, better equipped to deal with the world, and it will be less. And when she said that to me, I was just like, what? And then she started like going over real world examples of shit I have done, situations I have been in where I have enacted this, this dynamic over and over and over and over again. She brought up shit like, because I'd only been seeing her a few like a couple of months at that point, maybe two, three months, maybe, and not every week because I had to skip weeks sometimes. So, you know, eh, tops I've seen, I'd seen her 12 times, but I, I probably saw her closer to eight or nine. And she she was she brought up my performance on my on my seventh grade basketball team. I was like, see, that's a moment where you did the same thing. And then she threw out this person that I had a relationship with and this person I had a friendship with. And then she was like, and this all goes back to your mother. And she started like listing all these things. And I, like I said, you guys, you've seen that, that, um, I think it's a TikTok video, but it's, I saw it on Twitter. Um, cause I'm too old to download any fucking thing else to my fucking phone. And I'm just not going to do it. And so, but this guy is in heels, the young man in heels and he's walking and he does a flip. And when he hits the ground, he turns into a pile of meat. <laughs> I was that pile of meat. I just devolved to a pile of meat onto the floor. I was like, what? But so like, a Romy, like me looking at all this, looking at all these women here and being like, who am I the most attracted to? Um, I can say who I'm physically attracted to, but who the most I'm most attracted to that I would be most interested in, it would be Romy because she's fucked up. (laughs) And I'd be like, come on, I'm going to give you soup. And I'm going to make you feel better. And I'm going to find your other feather earring. Anyway. Romy is at home. Uh, is that is she works there? And I'm assu- I'm assuming this is a production thing. There are a billion salons in LA. I I do not believe it's a coincidence that Romy works at this one. Uh, although it does seem that Mikey knows the hairdresser better, so it is possible that Mikey had a relationship with the hairdresser, and that's why she wanted to bring her aunt there. But once production realized that. Romy worked there as well, then it became something that they really wanted the film, but, you know, anything. Um, you know, when they're getting um, Aunt Cat ready, she starts crying, and, ugh. You know, Aunt Cat's makeover really did feel a lot like an episode of What Not to Wear. Did you guys watch What Not to Wear? I loved it. I loved it. And... Okay, so technically they did give really good style suggestions. Okay, people who are in the style would would agree with that. Um, you know, I I don't have any style, so I don't know if it was good or not. But that's my impression for people who know what they're talking about. But what I used to love is how they got to later seasons, and Clinton and Stacy would just be over it <laughs> because of the way they're casting it. Like what not to wear was really big at one point, and. Um, they're casting in a different way than they would an unknown show, you know? So, um, but the people will come on and be like really combative with them. (laughs) And I bet you those people knew they were coming on the show. I bet you the surprise is when it was going to happen. I think that was the surprise, but, um, so they'd be really combative and just be like, I like my halter tops. No one at the PTA cares if I would come in with my nips out or not. And and Clint and Stacy, because they would always have to throw their clothes in the trash, which is warranted, but also like those people spent their money on that and they also love those clothes. And watching you like slam dunk clothes into a trash can can be hard, you know? And just be like, this isn't what you should be wearing, blah, blah blah You your gut was out. I mean, they didn't say that, but you know, they imply your stump, you look crazy, but you know, it's hard. People have body issues too. Um, and so and so um towards the end of the show though, Clinton States would be like, listen, <laughs> bitch, you came on this show. You came on this show, I don't want to deal with it. They'd be like, i I know I'm a 50-year-old I'm mother, but I want my belly button ring to be shown in all my outfits, all my work outfits. And they'd be like, no. And they'd be giving them a lot. Of, I just, I really like the show, but this gave me a, a what not to wear kind of moment because the hairdresser on the show, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a, black, it's a black guy with a gap. And he just was very much like, he'd be looking at them in the mirror and he'd just be like, tell me about it. like who you are. And he was a very, he was a soft person and especially tough bitches like myself, tough, like you're not going to get me to be emotional with you by being emotional, by like pushing at me or, or like being aggressive with me because I... You know, the easiest emotion I can access is anger. And so it's very easy for me to get mad at you. Like I said, I'm absolutely a fucking kill. Lowry, T-Mom too. I just, that's who I am in, in my heart. But if you want to like break me down, be nice to me. Be soft with me. Come in with a soft fucking tone and acknowledge that I've been like fighting my entire fucking life and I'm tired. And then, then I'll go to fucking pieces on you. Um, I talked in my bonus episode about how my dad sends me, my stepdad, I, he's my stepdad, but I just when I say my dad, I'm talking about him. Um, when he, he sends me text messages in the morning a lot of times about how important I am and how beautiful and how what I do is enough. This, it, it actually reminds me a lot of those um, Hunter Biden texts. Uh, the ones Joe Biden was sending Hunter that was like, "You are not a failure. You are this. I'm, let's talk. Let's like that reminds me a lot. He, my, my dad can have me crying at six a.m. just by being soft with me. And so this hairdresser would be like, would come in and just be like, you're in good hands, and I'm not gonna do anything you don't want to do, and all I am gonna do is make you look." the best. But with Stacy and Clinton who I adore, don't get me wrong. I really did enjoy them and I and I thought they were very funny. But the way they would talk would be like you need to look better. But they would na- they didn't really talk like and maybe I might be misremembering, so please don't come to me. But they didn't say things like I'm going to make you look the best for you or the I'm going to make you feel the best. They would say things like We're going to finally fix your ass. (laughs) And, you know, they would actually be like the, the, the contestants or the, I I don't say contestants or clients. I don't know the subjects. They would, they would be very wary. I mean, at the end, they'd be very happy, but most of them would be very happy with their new looks. They would feel very different, but they'd be wary of it because they'd be wondering unsaid, they'd be wondering, make me look good for who to who, because you know, my personal, like what I think of myself is very like personal and you may think you look great and that's great, but I want to feel great and look great to myself, not to your friends and your family and the people you interact with. And so the hairdresser, guy who I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, it's black guy, would always just kind of really be like, like, don't worry. My job here is to make you feel good about how you look and then make it in a way do to your hair, what, what, and then do something to your hair that you can recreate. You know, um, Jonathan Van Ness has a certain, has that same quality on Queer Eye. I mean, I think they all do, I think they all do. Like Tan does as well, I, I, uh, what's the one, there's, there's, he's Canadian, grew up in a rich family, cooks things. Like, I think they all are softer than previous counterparts. Like, when Tabitha came to fix your uh, business or whatever, she wasn't soft with you. But a lot of times when Jonathan Van Ness, I mean, I think the only person who isn't who isn't compa- isn't soft all the time is Karamo. <laughs> like, what's the joke? They all, the, the, the Fab Five come to save your life. And <laughs> Bobby builds you a new house. This Is his name Antony? Antony uh, teaches you how to cook a, a gorgeous meal. <laughs> Tan gets you dressed up for a night out of the town. Uh, Jonathan changes, uh, gives you a good shave. And Karamo makes you go talk to that racist white lady across the street. <laughs> <That's>, but <laughs> I'm off topic in my off topic. <laughs> but what Jonathan does is he, he very much makes it clear that what he wants is for you to look happy, for you to be happy with what you look like, not for you to look better because looking better is subjective, right? Better to who? But but if I, if I, uh, like, not fix, if I elevate your grooming, and your hair, and your facial hair, and I make you look better to yourself, I make you feel better about yourself, and that's very valuable. And again, he talks to them very soft. He's baby honey pie, you know what I'm saying? And if they push back at him with, I don't want to do this, or I've never had my, I've had this beard since I was 16, or whatever they say, he's not going to be like, well, bitch, you got to cut it off, because if you want to get to the next level, you got to get rid of it right now. That's not what he does. He's like, well, you know, um, it can be a, it can, it can be a, a security blanket and I'm not here to tell you that you don't need a beard. I, what I am here to tell you is that like, we can take care of this beard better. If, if we shape it up better, if we use better products on it, then you can ke- then keeping your beard is not a problem, but your beard's going to look the best it can. And I don't know. I really value that. <laughs> um, I'm super off topic, but <laughs> I, the, the, my, my gist of that, of that offshoot of conversation was that this, when, when, um, Aunt Cat is crying, when they have her walk and she does a little turn, her hair looks great, by the way. She, she has great hair and she kind of flips and she, I mean, flips her hair and then she puts on her glasses and stuff. I was like, this is very what not to wear. And I'm really happy that they put this in, even though I don't remember this. And, <laughs> but like, she just not happy. And it was nice that Mikey took her there. Um, yeah, but of course we gotta have some mess in this. And Mikey and Romy talk to talk about Whitney um in a way that makes me feel like another production setup because um I just don't know why they'd be off to the side talking about Whitney. Um, Mikey questioning her about someone she's in love with. It just seemed weird. Uh what I mostly got from that is that um Romy bills, Romy's a makeup artist and she called Whitney a makeup artist and dude as much as I fucking talk about this show in my personal life I would never have called Whitney a makeup ar- artist but she is she's a special effects makeup artist and I was like Whitney's a makeup artist Tor's a makeup artist Romy's a makeup artist Sada's a makeup artist <laughs> dating makeup artist. <sighs> so after everything's done, you know, nobody's home because Raquel still has to work. Mikey decides to go out with the girls from the salon and I'll pick this up when I get to Whitney because Whitney makes an appearance. So let's talk about Rose and Natalie, okay? I guess the breakup didn't take. I <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> because the next morning, um... <laughs> or what appears to be the next morning, uh, Rose is making pancakes, Natalie's walking the dog, they're both talking about how they don't want to live in that, they'd rather like, move forward, I, which I agree with, but I'm also like, you guys did not resolve anything. This is a fight you're going to have over and over and over again because instead of being like, let's figure out what's going on, you guys are like, let's not talk about that anymore for right now. And six months from now, you're going to talk about it again. Um, but I, what I think is going on is they, neither one of them have been in like super long-term relationships, especially not Rose. And they don't realize that things just keep coming up over and over and over again in long-term relationships if you let them. Um, so Valentine's Day. Nikki, Nikki. Natalie says that Rose has had a lot of girlfriends and she wants to do something different. So she does a sexy photo shoot with her friend. Um, I think Natalie is a very beautiful woman. Natalie is so fucking beautiful. Um, yeah, she and she does this photo shoot. She looks great in it. And, you know, that's it on that. Um, Rose is booking a romantic Valentine's Day for them at her Walmart desk. And so... I. <laughs> I want to talk about Rose a little bit. So last week I was talking about how Rose's front uh, house looks like that of a frat boy that just had to leave the frat house. Like what's that, um, that movie neighbors with, um, Seth Rogen. What's the, the pretty guy who played Elvis somewhere. What's his name? Uh, He got beat up on the street, trying to, trying to, uh, trying to score drugs, but he said it was random. Fuck. Zac Efron. So Zac Efron um, and, and Seth, Seth Rogan are in this movie. It's called Neighbors. It's because these people have a house that's next to a frat house. And I think it's Neighbors 2. They, no, Neighbors 2 has to do with girls maybe. Yeah. But it's at the end and they have to move out of the frat house. And Rose's house looks like Zach Efron moved out of the frat house into another house. And this is how he furnished it. Um, I have more (laughs) insight to this. When I saw that Walmart desk, I was like, Rose grew up with not a lot of money, I guess. I would assume. I'm, 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 I'm going to make a lot of assumptions here, guys. So I'm pulling a lot of shit out of my ass, but it's based on what's been presented in front of me. I think Rose grew up with not, with not a lot of money. Rose now is working in real estate finance. She is a finance bro to me. That's what she seems like. Rose has more money, probably makes more money than her father made. And she doesn't live in neighborhoods that her father lived in. She she doesn't live that type of lifestyle. And as someone who grew up, I would say, very lower middle class, with parents who were born in absolutely fucking poverty, and the way I was raised, like, it doesn't matter how much money I make. I feel like a poor person. Um, and that's not where, Ro- I don't think Rose feels that because Rose is like, maybe Rose does feel that. Maybe that is why Rose is throwing up bottles in the fucking club. So she doesn't feel like a poor person, but she does feel like one. So when you, like my dad used to tell me stories about when he was a kid, when they would go to the mall or like to like JC Penney's, they had to get dressed in their nice clothes to go because that's not some place they would go. That was a fancy, fancy place for them. And if you guys l- remember my couch journey, like all my furniture comes from big lots, okay? <laughs> and when I'm going to buy this big couch, thinking of going to buy a couch at Rooms To Go was like, oh no, that's the fancy place. Like just imagine if I, if I got a hold of some fucking pottery, pottery barn. Like imagine, like I, going to Rooms To Go felt to me like I was going to get custom fucking furniture. That's because I am a poor person, at least in mentality. And so even Ikea is elevated for me. Like I just started buying shit from Ikea because I never went to Ikea because I just assumed it would be too expensive for me to live there to get stuff. And even though people were like, Ikea is cheap shit. It breaks all the time or whatever. I'd be like, mm, yeah, but it's too, it's too expensive for me. Uh, I It would never occur, even if I had the funds it would never occur to me to go out and buy a really nice desk. Like someone would have to suggest it to me and I'd have to mull it over forever and look at the amounts and like justify it to myself over and over and over again. It just would never occur to me. And I think what happened is that Rose is upwardly mobile compared to her family and like the people she grew up with. But even so, if she needs a desk, she goes to Walmart and gets it. You know what I'm saying? If she... You know how long... How many years it took me to realize Sunny D was not orange juice? Many years! Because that shit's ingrained in you. And it never occurs to you to do something different because that's... And you know what? That is absolutely a way that poverty mindset um, continues to follow you. Uh, Just thinking about, like, the kids I went to college with and everything. And... How different I lived than they did. Even like so, when I was in high school, I went to the magnet school for sciences. Um, so I left school for half a day and went to the medical school to take science, cl- advanced science classes. Um, I, I really intended to be a doctor, and th- this I've been doing this all through high school, and so and it was a, it was very instrumental to like instrumental. It was very informational for me to be in those environments to, we did cadaver work a lot of times, not a lot of times, but we did it frequently to be upstairs, to be um, cutting on cadavers, to be in labs sometimes, and then like really get a sense of what some things would be like. But I went to that school, the kids that went to my school, maybe five of us went. The kids who went to the the school in the nice neighborhood from downtown, they had an entire fucking busload of fucking kids because of the environments they were in and the things that people value and the pe- and the things people pushed them to do. They had a shit football team, but they all had a ton of people going to the magnet schools. And being in those classes with those kids, I sometimes they would refer to things and I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. Um, they all had, um, monogram backpacks. I remember that. I had a see-through backpack because my school had gun violence. And I remember them asking me why my backpack was always see-through. And I was like, this is what I have to, I have to, I have to have this backpack. Um, and... I did not ask them why all their backpacks were monogrammed with their initials on them. But I remember, cause I, cause I knew it was a question not to ask, but I used to think like, so do they go, do they buy that for my catalog? Do they buy a backpack and get it monogrammed and come back and get it? I remember sitting in a fucking physics advanced physics class just thinking about their fucking backpacks. They all had the same shoes. They all had the, and I was just like, where do you get those fucking shoes from? And so, even if you, I'm thinking about Rose. Finance bro Rose. I'm thinking about how Rose probably walks in circles, moves in circles now, that, do not—are not congruent with what she—what she grew up in, you know? And although she does well, there are certain things that never occur to her. And it never occurs to her to get a, a desk that's not from Walmart. And it never occurs to her not to get that fucking—that cheap fucking couch that you get at the—at the—the big furniture mart at your, <laughs> you know? It never occurs to her that the month—that she spent— 200 bucks more, she would probably get a better couch that will last longer because that's where people get couches from that she knows. I don't know. I I, I, <laughs> I, I may be going crazy here, but that when I was watching this, I was like, I get it. And now that I saw that Walmart desk, I was like, I get it. I, I fucking get it. I'm sure the first time Rose went to Rooms to Go herself, she was like, What? <laughs> I can't go in there. That's rooms to go. (laughs) They have commercials. (laughs) Um, Natalie's very excited because they weren't going to do very much for this Valentine's Day. And, you know, as she gets there, she's, she's dressed. um, Rose is giving her flowers and everything and says, but we got to go. And then the car, like she's tweeting about, Love is the best thing right now. And rose is Rose is a little bossy today. I would say Rose is bossy most of the time. Rose's behavior last week thrilled me because it's how I want to act all the time. But also I was like, rose, don't 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 treat people like that. And so <laughs> Rose um is telling her to get off the Twitter. like you have to pay attention to me um, tonight. Um, she puts a blindfold on Natalie and and it's like you need to follow directions tonight. It was a little really condescending. It's how I, sometimes I talk to my kids when I'm like, when, you know, a lot of the times I get in trouble, it's because I've given you instructions and you did everything but what I fucking told you to do. And I'm often saying to them, take a breath, look at me, listen to what I'm saying. I've asked you to do two things. Go do the two things and come back. But... I can say that to them because they are literal children. I can say, I want you to focus on following directions today. I want you to focus on what did your teacher ask you to do? Completing that and then moving to the next step. That's not how you talk to an adult. (laughs) When I did my uh, Kate plus eight bonus series, um, I did, uh, her two-parter on her RV trip and One of the things I complained about the most is that the way Kate talked to other adults was as if they were small children. Do what I tell you to do. I have given you these instructions. Like, that's not how you talk to adults. So, but it's typical for Rose, I think. And it's one of the reasons why... When we talk about attractive net levels, like Rose, I think is fucking gorgeous. Like, I think she is like a fucking smoke show. She's so pretty. She's sexy without even trying. I think she's funny. I I like her a lot. But I'm not attracted to Rose because Rose is mean. (laughs) And Rose is everything. Just like Kate, uh, fucking Gosling. By the way, you guys heard Kate's trying to sell that big ass house? She she needs to. She doesn't need all that fucking room. Unless she's rooming unless she's written out fucking rooms. But who the fuck she gonna sell the house to? I wonder. Anyway, it's end of an era. <laughs> but just like I have a lot of qualities in common with Kate. I have a lot of qualities in common with Rose that I have to fight all the time. And I have to take a step back and be like, okay, am I pushing this person? in a direction they don't want to go and they're just going to go that way because it's easier than like arguing with me. And I'm talking condescendingly to people. I'm very careful about the way I talk to people because I don't like to be spoken to that way either. So watch your tone as you ask your husband to do something as opposed to just being like, you're a big fucking idiot and get it done. Like (laughs) Anyway, I, I do not like this about Rose. So, um, you know, Nat's a little worried. Not worried, but she's a little, you know, she's been... She's been wearing a fucking blindfold forever, and she's annoyed. But once they get to the hotel, she likes it. It's so pretty. And there, there's a box of chocolates saying there's a massage. And Natalie gets a full-body massage while Rose, like, irons and steam shit. their clothes for the night. That's crazy. And then they have a private table in the restaurant where they start talking about like (laughs) they have this crazy conversation where they talk about whether natalie should have had a breast reduction and rose is like why rose is like what do i ask you every morning and Natalie is like the first thing you say to me every morning is show me your tits (laughs) that's ridiculous and um natalie gives rose the the photos and they are very pretty because natalie is a gorgeous woman and um worlds <laughs> goes, can I tell you something? Like, just now I accepted your breast reduction. Just now. <laughs> this picture. This picture of <laughs> me. Anyway, so after that, they go back up to the room. Someone has set up a uh, flower petals rose petals and candles and shit and that's great because they are about to get it down (laughs) and natalie's doing a talking head where she's saying that rose is not afraid to be in love because she is in love with natalie i guess producers like do you think rose is afraid to be in love natalie says what she's afraid of is being hurt and that's okay because i'm never gonna hurt her and i'm like damn like that big big plans bitch but people get hurt all the time not on purpose and so, you know, they get the fucking. And Rose says that Valentine's Day has been the highlight, or it may have been Natalie that said this, where, where the high, is the highlight of their relationship. Um, it's, been, it's the best it's been so far. Keep in mind, they've been together seven fucking months. They've never had a Valentine's Day together. So, yep, that's Rose and Natalie. So let's talk about my, my favorite couple. It is Tracy and Stamie. Oh! <laughs> And uh, a lovely friend of the pod, Joni. (laughs) of Joni and Leslie, and this adorable baby Cleo (laughs) that just texted me, not texted me, messaged me and said that, uh, because she lives in LA. um, She, I think that she personally knows some of these girls on the shows and then later shows and everything. There is a story of them finding someone's wallet, but I forget who the fuck it is, but it's somebody that that if I can remember the name, you guys would know who the fuck I'm talking about. Um, But it might've been on the second season, the blonde chick that was really mean, what was her name? Was she on the second season or third season? I don't remember. But um, she, you know, she, like I said, she, she knows, she knows these people. L.A. is big, but it's also small, and lesbians, okay? So she says that that Tracy, that a lot of people want to date Tracy because she is beautiful. I mean, the fact that they have her with a skateboard all the time concerns me because it makes her like Dennis the Menace, and I'm not saying that you can't skateboard. <laughs> you can, but just everyone else is like in the opening credits with that song that I fucking love doing their thing, I mean, they all I mean, Mikey's on a motorcycle staring at the camera, they told her to be like be very mask Mikey, <laughs> they told her to do that cause Mikey, Mikey's a smiler, I don't know why she would not be smiling but anyway, everyone else is just like, you know grooving to the music and they just look like, they just like they're living their best lives and here comes Tracy, who's a fucking cutie, cutie, cutie and this fucking skateboard <laughs> I'm like, do you want to go back to the house and get your slingshot? (laughs) Do you want to? (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Anyway, but uh, what she said is that lots of people wanted to get with her, but she was like extra, extra boring. And I can believe that. Um, I just talk shit about Jill being the type of person I couldn't be around because she's just too emotional and too, like, huggy and too whatever. But... I can imagine Tracy just kind of like being there. I can imagine that. Shouldn't seem super, super interesting, but Tracy and Stamy are still my favorite. And it's because I'm attracted to Stamey. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just think their, their segments are interesting. Um, this, so they've decided this year, they're going to have a pre Valentine's day dinner together and a Valentine's day with the kids. Why? <laughs> why? And later they're like, oh, because we wanna show the kids what Valentine's Day is about. We're gonna have a big Valentine's party with the kids. Well then why didn't you have a pre-Valentine's Day party with the kids and Valentine's Day together? Because the kids don't know what fucking day it is unless you tell them. They don't even know their birthday is coming. I have a seven-year-old who whose birthday is at the is right after Thanksgiving. And if I did not tell her her birthday was on her way, there's no fucking way she would know. If her teacher didn't say, hey, I never said your birthday's coming, how would she fucking know? Who's gonna tell her? What's gonna happen is Christmas is gonna get here. And she's like, is it my birthday before Christmas? That's what might happen. And if I never told her when her birthday was, she wouldn't know at all. <laughs> but I, I can also see how maybe it's hard to get, like, who wants to go out on Valentine's Day? <sighs> so I can see me being like, let's do the day before Valentine's Day. I don't know. But... They're absolutely a couple that incorporates kids in all their stuff. Um, their kids are super small. I, I would say Stamie's been living in kid world for quite a bit at this point. And she says, she actually says that Tracy reminds her of herself when she met her ex, Julie. And um, uh, like that Julie was pregnant with Jagger already. But I was like, that's, it's half true because Julie was pregnant with Jagger. So that means it was you and Julie and you guys got to have a baby together. And like I said last week, they show up as little piles of dough. that only need like four, maybe four-ish things. And you get to, and everyone's giving you all this information because the baby's brand new and you have all this support. And like I said, you're going to the doctor constantly. Um, There's always like, sign up for this baby group. Your parents are getting like, because she's a baby. Or he's a baby, excuse me. Jagger's a baby. And I, I like, like, the on-the-job training that way can be overwhelming, of course, but it's like they start you on the fries at Hardee's and then move you to burgers and then you learn the chicken, which is really fucking hard and like, like time consuming. But where Stacy comes in, Stacy started at chicken and and you just threw her in it and it was always going and it was already rush hour. And there were six cars on the drive-thru. Some of you may have guessed my first real job was at Hardee's. (laughs) But, But do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, at least she got a brand new fucking baby that she got to grow as as the baby's needs and world grew her world grew too a newborn baby especially if you're like being careful about who you introduce them to i know a lot of people have like sip and sees like fucking 2 weeks in the baby it's home, but I mean, if you're being really careful, a lot of times you don't have kids, or people around your kids until they're like six weeks old and like even family members have to get like um, vaccinations before they can go to the hospital and shit. Like it can be rough um, about, so that first few weeks can be very isolating because you really are just in your own home with this tiny baby and you're just watching this baby. Paying attention to this baby, making sure this baby is comfortable. Is the baby crying? Let me try the four things this baby might need and see if I can get this baby. That's that's all you're really doing. And as they get older and they start to do things like go to go to preschool, make friends, introduce you to parents that you don't want to fucking know. Um, watch TV and get ideas. Like little babies don't have any ideas. <laughs> They're just. They're just there. They don't talk back to you. They don't want shit from you except for the, like I said, the four fucking things that, that you troubleshoot every time they start to cry. And it's just very, I mean, that can be hard, but it's also very easy, you know, in a certain way. And once they start to have ideas of their own, like just them starting to crawl and get fucking mobile, really gets stuff rough because before you would just sit them on the tent, you would just sit them on the bed, and then like if you need to take a shower and it's just you and the baby, you could literally put that baby in a car seat and put it in the shower and just make sure they're asleep. If that's what, if you needed to pay attention to them or you could put them in their crib. But once they get fucking moving, they don't stay where you leave them and things get complicated. Once they get started talking real fucking complicated. Then once they start going to preschool and shit and even daycare, it depends on what your lifestyle is like. They bring you into other worlds and interactions. It's, but trust me when I say the baby part is not that fucking hard. It really isn't. And if you're poor, <laughs> you don't buy a whole lot of things or you shouldn't because babies grow out of things. I mean, I talked about this on my true life bonus episode. Um, I'm like supporting my family or something that won't be unique. And her kid sister was 15 and was having a baby and they were like trying to figure out what they're going to have. And I was like... What you really need is diapers, some clothes to start off with because they're that that kid's going to grow so fucking fast. Don't buy a whole bunch of baby clothes and maybe a bassinet. You don't need a crib. You don't have any place to put that fucking baby. Like a bassinet that you can put the baby in on the side of the bed in your room because you live in a room because you're 15. And maybe a stroller, a stroller um, car seat combo. And the rest, I mean bottles, but the rest... You need bottles and probably formula. The formula is going to fucking kill you. The diapers are going to go fast. But when you get down to it, the daily needs of a small baby are small or are, are, are less than some than the daily needs of, a, I'd say, a 10-year-old are, are different. Like, the the budget is different, okay? <laughs> um, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack on it. I'm just telling you, it's it's... It's a different world that you live in when you are, when you, and it's just you and this baby in your couch. And all you have to do is keep changing the baby and feeding the baby and make sure the baby isn't cold. That's, and that's all you have to do. It is time consuming because they don't have any sense of time and they want to do it 24 fucking hours a day. <laughs> And it's weird cause your clocks are not matched up cause they wanna sleep for a few hours and then wake up and then sleep for a few hours and wake up and that's not how your body is used to working. I'm not saying it's not hard, but I'm saying that like the depth of what you have to figure out is so small. It's a difficult job, but the handbook is simple. That's, I guess that's what I'm saying. And the handbook gets more complicated as you get older, uh, as the kids get older. So Tracy says her dogs are like children and it kind of, it's a bummer sometimes when Stammy puts them alone on the totem pole <laughs> and it bothers her. Um, and Stammy says that she loves dogs, but three, co- like when you have kids, dogs are a lot. And I think they're both right. I think, you know, I probably told this story before, but I'll tell it again. That's all I do anyway. Um, when I, I used to know this woman who had four kids and she, I just remember on Facebook one day she was so fucking mad about how some people call their dogs their children. And she does not equate children with dogs. And she doesn't think dogs are children or whatever. Cause you don't have to, like, you know, for the most part, if you stop taking care of a dog, the dog can get taken from you by animal, like animal services or whatever. You can rehome it. But uh, kids they really don't like it when you give up on the job. (laughs) You might go to jail if you just stop taking care of your fucking kid. Um, And she just, she named some other reasons, but the thing that, like, I'm not saying she was wrong, that like, the responsibilities to a child and the responsibilities to an animal don't have to be the same, but they can be. And the thing that, that I wanted to talk about most about when she was like, she was going on this for hours, guys, hours. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about is why does it bother you so much what somebody else does, <laughs> what somebody else values? If that woman over there and her dog are best friends and life partners and she takes her care of that dog as seriously as you would of your child, what the fuck does that got to do with you? And if you don't, then you don't have to have any dogs. Um, You don't have to have any pets. Well, who cares? You don't, and as far as I know, she didn't have any pets. She had kids. And she didn't want any. Um. But for Stamie and Tracy, like I said, I think they're both right. And Tracy, <clears throat> Stamie is so much in... Like I said, she has three fucking small kids. It's so much in that world that I don't think it would occur to her to have that level of care for a dog. And I think one of those dogs is Tracy and one of them is Damies. I don't know. Um, And I wonder what Tracy would say about it now. That's what I wonder. Um... Tracy and Stamie are trying to make an 8 p.m. reservation, but the kids won't go to bed. Now, you guys know I love to talk about bad kids on TV. <laughs> but I don't think these kids are bad. I don't. I, I think their nighttime routine probably got fucked over because Stamie's saying that this is the first night without binkies. um, Pacifiers. And so this is new, and now they have to figure out another way to sell Susan to bed, which they got to figure it out. So they're basically running around um, and it's just like the dogs are fighting or wrestling or whatever. And they're just, it's like crazy. So one thing I want to point out here, like I don't think they're doing anything wrong. I think you probably should start bedtime a lot earlier than you did. I think they started bedtime at like seven or maybe even 6.30. That's too late because this is new and they don't know how to go to bed this way. And you think it's a small thing. Well, I just won't have the fucking binky. But that's, to them, they've been, you've been giving it to them their whole fucking lives. What if something you use all your entire life, someone was just like, you can't have that anymore. And just because their life is two and a half, (laughs) you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal. This is how they do it. What if, like, you go to bed every night with the TV on, if you're someone who does that. What if I just came in there and took the TV out and was like, figure it out. You'd be pissed. (laughs) And you wouldn't go to sleep on time that night either. So, but I think they should have really like figured out a new bedtime routine and tried it out. But I mean, there's very little they can do. I want to point out Maritza. I think her name is. This woman that's been in the background. I've seen her a couple of times. Maritza seems to be a nanny. (laughs) Or maybe they call her a helper or a babysitter. I understand. I was thinking about getting somebody to come and help a few times a week. And everyone kept saying, so you're looking for a nanny? And I was like, a nanny? Girl, I can't afford a nanny. I don't, I don't live no nanny lifestyle, but I mean, Connie is a nanny. And so, um, regardless of what they call Maritza, it looks like she's there to help with the kids, which seems smart. There's three small kids. I, I, I'd want someone to help. Um, so what I don't understand is, y- so they don't make their dinner reservation, obviously. If y'all asked us was going out, why could why why did you have to stay with the kids to go to sleep? If Maritza was gonna watch them, she can watch them asleep or awake. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I would have left. I would have left at seven. I would have like I'm leaving at seven. I would have done my best to facilitate uh, uh, bedtime. I would have made sure they ate like it. Probably if what did I want to go? I want them to go down by like seven thirty or something like that. I don't know what their bedtimes are, but I would have made sure they they were eating at like four thirty. I would have made sure there was no damn um sugar around here, uh, no juices, none of that shit, nothing to get you hyped. I would have done like early baths and we were taking a long time in the bath. I would have done like three bedtime stories before I left that fucking house. And at seven o'clock, Maritza, do what you can, baby. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. If you do. And the reason like that might sound heartless to some people that are like, well, I can't leave if my baby is in distress or crying or is like running around the house and like things aren't calm. I get that. I, when I have babysitters come with my kids, I make sure the, what if there, if there's a meal involved, the meal is taken care of. A lot of times if I'm going out, I let them have pizza. I have the pizza delivered here while the babysitters here and I don't worry about it. I make sure everybody's like I want everything set. I want the babysitter to have to do as little as possible. Really, just hang out with my fucking kids. Hang out with my kids. Make sure they eat their pizza. I'll put them to bed when I get back. And that's what I prefer because I just, as a person, I just don't want to be someone that's like, "Here's my wild ass fucking kids." <laughs> I, it's not my job, like putting them on the bus every morning. I am like sitting there talking to them before, and like, hey, this bus driver, this is it. She's at her job. She's got a lot of kids on this bus. If you guys are all loud, imagine she can't hear. Their bus driver's a little old lady too. And sometimes I'm like, she's a little old lady. Don't no. like she doesn't. She didn't. She didn't survive all this to die on a bus. <laughs> it's just, I, and I'm like. Reminding them of the rules, reminding them what the, because I would not like them to be a burden on other people. I get that, but that said, if you make it so that you can only leave the house if your kids are in perfect vibe, perfect moods, everything's working well, you'll never leave the house because it's too many of them. Even at three and at this age, there's too fucking many of them for them to all be in the same on the same page. So you have got to leave. I would have left at seven, and and God bless you, Marissa. I will see you later. <laughs> and if they stayed up until I got home, they fucking stayed up until I got home. That's it. Um, but that's not what they did. They stayed and um, you know, Tracy seems disappointed. Um, Tracy, throughout this episode, really just wants to get more alone time with Stamie, time to download, time to talk to her without someone interrupting, um, having plans go as they should go. and And that's all like understandable that's all understandable, Tracy. Um, even my kids are older. I have five kids. This is the main thing my husband asked for, for me, for me not to descend into the world of the children and like leave him. And many times he and I would just be sitting on the couch, just talking to each other and, and like somebody will want to come and talk and he'll be like, no, right now, this is my mommy and you have to go over there. I, I, He craves alone time with me where just he and I are speaking. Um, He and I are playing a video game. And I I don't find it that hard to make time for him. I have, as of this moment, I have a three-year-old, five, seven, nine, and a ten. And they all like to be around me. If I go into a room, I just have to wait a few minutes. Somebody's going to show up in the room. And then another one. And then two more. And then the last one will be like, where is everybody? (laughs) and then so I'm cleaning out my closet and I suddenly got five kids in the closet with me if I go outside five kids outside with me if I wherever I go they're gonna all show up because they because as it stands right now they enjoy being around they only want to be around me so why not and so (laughs) I And I'm enjoying that, or excuse me, I don't always enjoy it. Sometimes it's really hard, but I remind myself that in a few short years, they won't want to be around me all the time. They're going to have their whole little lives. Like I said, the older they get, the more they create a world around them that you have to work within and they're going to have their own little lives and I'm not going to see them all the time. And my 10-year-old in 6 years when he's 16, I don't know about him. Let's let's go back. He's he he thinks he's going to live with me forever. That 9-year-old who I think is going to move out when he's 14. In 5 years when he's 15, I'm not going to see him all the time. He's going to be out and about. He's going to have uh he he really wants to he loves to like He does a lot of comedy stuff. So I can see him trying to be in the drama club. I can see him. The other day, though, he told me he was going to do football because he's trying to get on TV. I was like, there are many ways to get on TV that did not involve you trying to play football, but okay. But he's going to have his own fucking thing. As soon as I give him access to the internet, he will have a YouTube channel. It's all he wants. He makes videos all day long and begs me to load them to YouTube. He's going to have a whole fucking life. And I'm gonna be like, when can I see you? So right now, the fact that he wants to sit next to me while I'm folding clothes and show me his tablet of stuff I don't care about, (laughs) whatever game he's playing, I don't give a fuck about. The fact that he wants to tell me about his dreams, I wanna listen to them because in a few short years, he's not even gonna think to. And in a few short years after that, he's not gonna be here. So I'm okay with it, but my husband is very much like, I need to speak with you alone. He doesn't want them in our room. He likes to close doors between me and the kids. And I'm like, you can try. But everybody in this house is obsessed with me. Including you. Everybody's obsessed with me. There's no way I could be in this home. And no, and people won't talk to me. So I don't know why. <laughs> um, I think but as Tracy has said before, her storyline on here was very like they chose a theme for her and just made and gave edits to make it seem that way. <laughs> I think that if Tracy and want wanted time alone, it's not that hard. First of all, those kids go to daycare or preschool or whatever. Maritza takes them. Maybe Maritza's a housekeeper or babysitter. Maybe she's like just a helper around the house. Um, so you got time during the day. I know Tracy works but also they go to sleep at a certain time. And also she's co-parenting with Julie. So in theory, she doesn't have them all day, every day. In theory, she has them half time. Now what their co-parenting looks like, half time might be half the day, every day, but that's, you know, there is time when those kids are not there and don't need you and don't need Stamey. And you guys have to work out the details then. Um, being a parent is multitasking, is putting someone else in front of you and, and figuring out your needs based that way. That's what it is. Um, they do talk a bit, they're, they're at a breakfast alone, a brunch or something on a Sunday morning, it seems like, um, about, they do get, so they do get some alone time and Stammy talks about how she saw a dad in the park. And the kid was on his shoulders, and it was really cute. And sometimes, not a lot of times, but sometimes she thinks about how her her kids won't have that. They will not have a father. So they will not have a father relationship. They will have two mothers' relationship. They will have Stamie's relationship and and Julie's relationship. And to this point, Tracy, because Tracy's still with them, still there. So I'm sure they think of Tracy as stepmother, as a mother figure. Um, but they will not have a father relationship, especially the boys um, thinking about having a, a good relationship with a father figure who is like you who has the same genitals as you do who walks in the world the way you do regardless of how that how like how you identify or how that shakes out just having someone that is a role model for how you identify is is something she would like for her to have her kids. I mean, Tracy says she thinks the kids will be okay. And so do I. Um, they don't have to have a father to have a male role model. I mean, uh, let's take the gayness out of it. Cause I know there are people, hopefully not listening to this, but there are people out there who would say like, well, that's why two women shouldn't have children together. But single moms raise children all the time. Single fathers raise children grandparents racial people there are all kinds of fucking families and there are ways to put important role models in their lives that do not mean that you have to go have a baby with a man and that they need to have a father that lives in their home it's not it doesn't have to be that way part of the reason i'm thinking about this is because so the three um, kids i have the foster kids i have now I'm supposedly adopting them. I say supposedly because nothing's set in stone until it's fucking set in stone. And they gave me an adoption date and then they were like, we got to push it back. So, you know, who knows when the fuck it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. It ain't fucking done until it's done. And so I think a lot about raising three little Latino children. I, I think a lot about that. I think, I mean, they don't speak Spanish, but their parents did. Their grandparents did. I think about culture, language, things that they will miss out if living in me, a very black woman's home. Um, I'm a black woman from the South. That That's how, that's my culture. That's how I approach things. I'm not very religious. And so there are things that they won't get with me because they're not with someone from their Mexican-American culture. Okay. But I, I'm always thinking of ways that I can do that I can supplement that. And one of them is I can, first of all, they think my husband is Mexican. A lot of people do. He's not. He's half white and he's half black. His father was Jewish, I believe. But he's not. But first of all, they see themselves in my, in, in my, in my husband, even though I'm going to have to break the news to them finally that he is not I've tried to tell them, they just don't believe me. And so, and, but the other thing is like, when we do things like Girl Scouts, I'm gonna try to find a troop leader that has a Latino leader so that she can have experiences with other Latinas. Um, I'm going to make sure, like for right now, I'd like to learn Spanish, I'm gonna try. I have a dumb tongue, I can't roll my tongue and I'm really worried about that part. But I'd like to be able to watch Spanish language television with them. I'd like to be able to speak Spanish around them. I'd like to find ways in which we can celebrate culture for them. Um, and I have a diverse group of people in my life, so I'd like to make sure that they're around everybody and that and that they get they get experiences through what I can give them. We did watch Selena. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I love Selena. And I was flipping and I was like, oh, Selena, we could, I could show, I could show all my kids Selena because this is one of my favorite movies. We've been watching some of my favorite movies, Adam's Family, Adam Family Values. They've been watching Sister, Sister. They love it. It's funny. Thank God. So I can keep all my kids because I was going to have to let them fucking go if they didn't think that shit was funny. They think Go Home Roger is funny as fuck. Um, I, So I've just been like with the TV, like we are just going through stuff and just showing the movies. I wanna show them Beetlejuice. I just, I wanna, you know what? I want them to have some fucking references. That's what (laughs) I want. I want them to get enough Angelica Houston and Joan Cusack in their, uh, Cusack, Cusack. I want them to make sure they have enough of that in their lives. But I saw Selena was on there. I was like, we gotta watch Selena guys. Selena is such a good movie. So we're watching it and we're watching it and watching it. And they're like, Selena's so beautiful, Selena. Oh, she, Selena is such a great singer. She's so amazing. Everybody loves Selena. We should go to one of her concerts. And I was like, wait a second, guys. (laughs) Something I didn't tell you about Selena. (laughs) And then, I mean, listen, we we had a hard day that day. Cause I was enjoying it so much that I just did not think to be like, bitch, she dies at the end. And then think of me trying to explain to them that Selena is dead, right? And the person we're watching on the screen is telling us Selena's life, but that's not Selena. That's Jennifer Lopez, whose singing career was launched from her lip-syncing Selena song in this movie. <laughs> they were like, what, bitch? <laughs> what, mommy? What? That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, girl, that's what happened. J-Lo would not be a thing if we never got we would never got Jenny from the block if, if Jennifer Lopez had never played Selena. This is not Selena. <laughs> they were like, what? So like at the end when they're doing like real footage of Selena, they're all like, oh, that's Selena. And I was like, yeah, that's Selena. That's the real Selena. <laughs> anyway, it was a we were all crying. <laughs> in the movie i've seen this movie a billion times and so we're at the dinner table that night and we ask them every night to do a happy hard and a helpful which is what is what part of your day made you happy what part of your day was hard but you made it through and what part of your day um did you find time to be helpful to someone else and so they do they so they'll do that and even my three-year-old will be like i want to tell you about my happy hard day which just means he wants me to tell He wants to tell me the best part of his day, which is yesterday was that he peed on himself. So, but that night when I was, we were doing it, my little seven-year-old bunny goes, my hard part of the day was when Yolanda killed Selena. (laughs) Why would she do that? I was like, we all want to know. She even, dude. she even talked to her therapist about it. Her therapist came out, because her therapist comes to see her. Her therapist came out of her room and was like, guys. She's like, "Uh, Princess, um, we spent half the session talking about why Yolanda killed Selena. (laughs) And I did talk to her about how Yolanda had been stealing from the Selena fan club. (laughs) Anyway, culturally, not that showing them Selena was like a cultural reset or anything, but culturally I want to expose them to all kinds of culture. And I especially want to like, I'm never going to replace their bio family. Like even if they were black kids from the South, I would never replace their bio family, but I want to give them bridges to their culture. And I don't want this to be like, Oh you had a bad experience, you had some bad experiences with your bio family, and that ended up with your parental rights being severed, and everything about your life from then on was severed. I don't wanna do that. And so when I, like Tracy having that thought out loud, one, I don't fault her for it because I have that thought all the time in relation to my kids, but also I'm with Tracy. It's gonna be okay, you'll, find, you'll figure out ways. So now Tracy wants to go on a walk, but Stevie wants to go back to be with the kids, which, it's me and my husband. I'm just like, I just want to go home and be with my fucking kids, man. I don't, I just want to be with them. Um, back at the Valentine's Day party, um, Jagger wants to see Tracy's boobies. <laughs> Jagger has a booby thing and he's very upset that he wants to see the boobs. Um, it happens. <laughs> um, and for Valentine's Day, Stamie gives Tracy a key to the house. And she says that It means two things. It means we're going to have fun, but there's also going to be some hard stuff too. And she's right. Um, Tracy says, acknowledges that the next step that would be to move in, she's never moved in with anyone and she doesn't feel like she's ready to move in with anyone. And I think that Stamie agrees too. I mean, again, they've only been dating four months, even though uh, figuring out that they were been friends prior made me feel better about the whole thing, but uh, they've only been dating, dating four months and she just doesn't want Tracy to have to stand outside in the rain. Uh, for waiting for Sammy to get there, and that's the end of them. Okay, we're like two hours in because all I fucking do is go on tangents. <laughs> so you know what? Let's 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 get moving with um, let's get moving with Whitney, who I always say for last because she usually has the most stuff. But you know what? This week she didn't have much. Um, Whitney has no idea who her Valentine is, and it's not for lack of having Valentine choices. She has lots of Valentine choices, but she just doesn't know. Um what I was saying earlier about Whitney being alone, I bet Whitney is never alone. I bet Whitney Whitney says the reason she she gets into trouble because she wants women to feel good. Uh uh-uh, uh. That's not why you get in trouble, Whitney. You want people to have fond feelings of yourself. You want people to look at you and go, that's the person that made me feel good. And so since you're chasing that high you have to do it with multiple women all the time. I also bet she's someone who cannot be alone. Who can who is never really alone. I bet you if you live with her as a roommate, she'd spend like, I don't know, a couple hours in her room watching TV and come out and be like, oh, I've been alone for such a long time. Like that's I don't think being alone is Whitney's thing. We do see Whitney getting offered an acting role by a producer I think she's working with for her um, her special effects a business and um, you know she doesn't have a lot of acting experience but this is really just someone who could weld a gun and she wants to look really good in it so she gets a trainer. Um, Oh she's also a little worried there might be a sex scene with a man. Um, she's had boyfriends before but she doesn't think she can go back to doing that. Um, that surprises me about Whitney. I would think of Whitney as being someone who's never been with a man. Um, I think she's, I would think she of her as a gold star lesbian. I would think of some, like she's telling the story about licking sour cream off somebody's tits when she's nine years old. I would think of her as someone who just was very clear about her sexuality. Don't, don't get me talking. I, I'm, her having sex with men does not mean that she's not clear about her sexuality, but I would think of, she, she gives the impression of someone who is known for a very long time that she is, um, gay and that like she would even skip the part where I'm going to date boys and see if that works out for me. But that surprises me about Whitney. And and I I always love when I'm surprised by Whitney because I feel like I see Whitney coming a mile away. Whitney is absolutely a fucking fuck boy. And when I get little tidbits of her, I'm always like, hmm. So Whitney gets a trainer. Trainer comes over. She says the trainer is shockingly attractive. What the fuck is she talking about? never met an ugly trainer to be honest I ain't been that interested in exercising so so I ain't met too many trainers but the, I have questions about whether like I don't have questions I think of training as something you get into if you're an athletic person I think that attractiveness is 90% body. You know what I mean? And I just, I'm just trying to imagine someone who's a trainer who works on their body all the time. Who's just like face is so fucked up that you think they're ugly. I just, I think even like mediocre looking people, if they have a really good body would be attractive. Am I, am I like off base on that? It's okay if I'm off base on it. I just think that like, like, so you know how sometimes you see Gigi Hadid, well, not Gigi as much because she's just had that baby, but Gigi Hadid and like Kendall Jenner. You see pictures of them, and people are like, oh my God, they are killing the game in fashion. They are doing crazy things with fashion. And you're like, they're wearing like chunky white tennis shoes and mom jeans, but they're skinny. And so people are like, oh my God, they're just doing amazing things. Um, I feel like that's, if you have a hot body, it's very easy to be an attractive person. I don't know. Um, So the trainer says that Whitney really has to stop smoking and drinking because she really, because it's two months away and she wants her body to be a certain way. And since Whitney has to stop smoking and drinking to do it, and and Whitney's like, she didn't say sex, but sex is like a cardio workout. So I'll keep doing that. <laughs> um, After the trainer leaves, Alyssa and Whitney talk about the trainer. Is the trainer gay? Well, they say gay. I would have been like, is, I would have said, is the trainer into women? Because I would be thinking of bisexuals as well. But, um, and Alyssa doesn't really know. She says her Gator doesn't go off. Um, on this one, but they're talking about it in front of the tour, and they're just talking about like how Whitney doesn't really need an attractive trainer, and, sh- and Whitney's like, "I need it for motivation." <laughs> Such a fuck boy, <laughs> like the type of dude that'll be like, "I only want to go to an attractive lawyer <laughs> because I need someone. I, I I'm not gonna be able to go to meetings unless she's hot." Like, anyway, Whitney, and. You know, Alyssa talks about the scenarios of what might happen. Uh, the, the trainer's straight, but Whitney uh, turns her. <laughs> and, or the trainer is curious and Whitney brings her over. Or the trainer is gay and has a long-term girlfriend and Whitney breaks him up. <laughs> and I, I just thought it was interesting they were talking about it like that, considering tours in the room. <laughs> and Tor moved from Connecticut to uh, Whitney's part of the reason she moved from Connecticut. Tor ended up was it a nine-year relationship after she fucked Whitney? Um at some point Tor says in a talking head that Whitney has to know she's a player. I agree. I do. Whitney will say she's not a player because she's not in the games and blah, blah, blah. But Whitney has to know she's a player. Whitney has to know that she gets into it with women and they end up doing something. Whitney has to know this. If Whitney doesn't know this, I don't know what planet Whitney lives on. This is crazy. Um, and she also says Whitney's lucky she doesn't have a date because she probably have a lot of kids around here. And I don't know if that's true but she'd probably have at least one oops baby. Um, so later, we see that Whitney's in a bubble bath and answers the phone and it's Romy. So were, were, were the cameras just filming her in a bubble bath? Did she just sit in a bubble bath and they were like, tell us about your life? And then suddenly Romy called, or was it more like when Romy and Mikey went out, or they always knew they were gonna be filming that night. And this is me giving them the benefit of a doubt. Production said, what would you be doing normally tonight so we can film you doing that while Romy calls you? Um, that's giving me the benefit of a doubt of them talking to her and trying to recreate something that was real. If it wasn't real, that's like, that would be them being like, so now we need to get you in a bubble bath because Romy's gonna call. And- <laughs> So either way, this was set up and Romy wants her to go out to the Abbey to have a drink with Mikey and the other people they were working with. And, uh, first Whitney says no, cause she feels like she's doing too much and she needs to rest. And then she says yes and goes, where's Tor? I don't know where Tor is. So Romy is sure that Mikey and Whitney will like each other because they're both mask. Um, and they do and they do like each other. I don't know if it's both because they're like mask, right? I don't, I don't know if it's that they both like to make jokes about their dicks and stuff like that. I think also Mikey and Whitney are charming people. They're a the type of people that are showy. They're scene stealers. They're people that take the air out of the room. They're, they're that type of people. Um, and, I, and those type of people either love each other or hate each other. My husband's a scene stealer, an a air taker-upper, um, an interactor, if you will. Like, my husband's the type of person that meets people in stores and shit. And I don't think of myself as that, but one of my oldest friends always tells me that all the stuff I hate about my husband, I do too. All of it. Like, when he interrupts me to try to finish my sentences and I always tell him we're not in love enough to finish our sentences let me finish my fucking sentence I do it to other people like how I get annoyed how he meets people in shoe stores and shit like that and we'll just like have a friend and she she says I do that too she says that we've known each other she is my oldest friend we've known each other for 20 years at this point and we just met randomly and we've just been good friends for, she says that I will just, that she will go somewhere alone and no one will speak to her, but people always speak to me everywhere I go and that I usually speak to them back. And then I will just like, my husband will get numbers and become best friends with that person. I don't do that, but she says that I interact with people on much higher level than I should. And she's probably right. Me and my husband are a lot of like, even though I can't go into it. It's over fucking two hours. I did a whole thing on Twitter this morning about him leaving the house and I've never seen it before because he leaves the house at 1 a.m. and now that we're on similar schedules, I'm like, this is what the fuck you have been doing? <laughs> but we are different, but we are similar in a lot of ways. And so you either love someone when you meet someone like that or you fucking hate them. And it just so happened that Mikey and Whitney seem to be getting along great. Romi feels like she's being overlooked. She says this happens all the time. Whenever she invites Whitney out, Whitney makes best friends with someone. But I bet you Whitney has a lot of best friends. I bet I bet you Whitney will go my best friend and then name another person every time. She probably has... I wouldn't be surprised if she has 15, 20 people she's very close with. I wouldn't be surprised. As Mindy Kaling, or Colleen, I don't know how to say her last name, um, says in her book, best friends is not a title, it's a level of friendship. She she can have 200 best friends. It's just a level of friendship. And I think Whitney feels that way too. I think Whitney has a lot of friends. Um, Whitney and Mikey are flirting And they're flirting in a way that makes it very clear that they have no intention of going anywhere with this. (laughs) They're just flirting. They're like, I was about to say something gross. That's not flirting. That's gross. I was going to say how old men sometimes flirt with like little girls. Do you know what I'm talking about though? How old men always like pay special attention to like girl children and pinch them on their cheek and ask them if they have a boyfriend or whatever and in some circles that's called flirting but in my circles in the way I live if you if some body a man or a woman paid that much attention to my child and was always asking about whether they like found a romantic partner yet I probably wouldn't let them see him anymore (laughs) It's like no. Like if you pay extra attention to one of my children, that's a good fucking way for you to never see that child again. Because I'm not having it. I've seen too many lifetime movies. It's not gonna happen over here. But um Yeah, that's that's not flirting. But um but you know how like when I used to be a bartender, an old guy used to come in now. He was in his 70s. He was a construction worker. And he would always flirt with me. He had no intention of doing anything with me. Um, I don't. If that man had ever been with a black woman, I would be shocked. But it was just the way he would talk to me. And it was just very flirty and stuff. And it was more for jokes and shit. And, you know, it is what it is. And that's what Mikey and Whitney are doing to each other. And eventually, Whitney talks about how she usually likes more Femme girls than Mikey. And they start <laughs> undressing Mikey and giving her a makeover. Um uh, taking off her shirt and shit, putting on lips of uh, lip gloss on her and making her a little booby. And uh, when I say booby, making her look like more boobs, so booby. And so <laughs> she and yeah, so they're just having fun with that. And eventually, see you the night. And Mikey is drunk and weepy. (laughs) She's that drunk where you are so fucking close to crying. (laughs) And if somebody asks you what you're crying about, you'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) She's very drunk. She kind of wanders out. She's like, it's time to go home. I was like, is there a cab out there for her? Where is she going? But the, the show just shows her wandering out of the fucking bar courtyard. And, um, or patio, or whatever they're on, because they want to smoke. And um, she, they, you know, the end of Mikey's thing is that Mikey wanders home and Raquel's not there, and, and she's all like, "It's cold in here," and like falls in the bed. <laughs> but Romi and Romi and Whitney go home together, and Whitney says that she just doesn't want to be alone that night. I know, Whitney, you don't like being alone, bitch. You're not alone. And so, and if you were alone, you get unalone real fucking quick. So, um, Romy and Whitney go back and they're going back to Whitney's house, right? Where's Tor? Where is fucking Tor? And so, (laughs) Tor sleeps in that room, doesn't she? Did you text Tor to get out of your room before... I might be confused. If you guys seen the episode, please let me know. You can tweet me at princess on Twitter and let me know whether or not, um, um, and let me know whether or not they went back to Whitney's house. So they go back and they fuck. Um, we see quite a bit of um, foreplay. Uh, um, we see Romy's titties. We see all kinds of shit. That's another thing about Romy, is that I am very attracted to Romy, but if I have to, if I date Romy, people will think of me as, this is so wrong, people still do it though. Like, there is no man and woman in a relationship with two women. But standing next to Romy, people will all, I will be the masculine one, even though I don't consider myself to be. Although, I will say this. (laughs) By the way, don't do that. Don't ask people who the man is in the relationship. That's gross. It's not fucking true. Don't do that. But you left that in the 90s, okay? But but, um, when I was in this, I was still in college at LSU and my deadbeat boyfriend had moved down with me. I used to get my hair braided back in cornrows and um, all the time. And he asked me to stop because... And this is like, think of the time, think of the, so when I was in college, Nelly's ride with me was popular, okay? So just think of the times, okay? People would jewel bandanas. I'm real with, with JLo. Ashanti was out here dancing and singing. That's the time I was in college. And, and uh, so people had cornrows all the time. They would just add hair to them and stuff and wear band, like that's, that's what you would do. And he asked me to stop because he said that when I had my hair like that, I walked like I had a dick and I was just very aggressive all the time. (laughs) And obviously he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, but I just love, I just find that funny that apparently a hairstyle will make me be like, what up son? (laughs) That's not, but I'm not, um, I wouldn't consider myself very masked to be honest. Um, overwhelmingly so, or anything. I am direct. I can be aggressive, um, but that's not just. I mean, we all have feminine and masculine traits in us. So that's not what makes me mostly mask. So I'm just like, if as much as I'm attracted to Romy, if I were sitting next to Romy, people would assume that because she's so. I don't know, she's so small. She's so petite and everything. I would look like a fucking dinosaur next to her. I would look like a T-Rex. I would look like that dinosaur in Jurassic Park, the one that makes the water. That might not be a a T-Rex, but whatever. A dinosaur, the one that makes the water like shake or whatever that's what I look like next to her so as much as I'm attracted to her it can never happen I'm just I was just thinking about that because I was thinking about Whitney and Romy in the bed um Romy's naked it's not naked but she's her top's off and everything and and Whitney still has on her boy shorts and her bra and I mean the way Whitney describes it she's like and then you know Everything's been going on with, with Romy but back and forth. She ran from me here. She's worried about Sada. She's this and this and this. And now she's in my bed with her shirt off, not caring. And I feel like like her saying she's in her bed with her with her shirt off, I'm like, not giving a fuck. I'm like, oh, they made you say this in a complete sentence because when they're asking you the questions, at some point, it's, the question... Either you said it before or the question they asked had the cameras in it, right? Like something about being in that room with Romy where the cameras are there. Like that is Whitney's acknowledgement that like the cameras are there because Romy taking her shirt off isn't a big deal if it's not on film. Like you guys are grown and you're fucking. Um, it's also weird the, the angles of the camera. Like the cameras seem to be in the doorway so that means Whitney and Romy are fucking or at least getting ready to fuck in the doorway. They have roommates and shit. Can you imagine being in the room next door and like coming out to piss or something and there's a cameraman kind of blocking your room because he's filming Whitney and Romy like making out and grinding on each other and dry humping each other? Huh. Um, so eventually Whitney gets up and closes the door. Um, and you know, all I have to say is where the fuck is tour. That's all I have to fucking say. Guys, I did more than two hours <laughs> this week. And somebody said something nice about me. I, I mean, I'm taking it as a compliment. Rachel, friend of the pod, therapist and um uh, woman in Seattle. <laughs> I don't know what you call Seattle people, Seattleites, Seahawks. What do you call them? I don't know. Amazonians no, no. <laughs> I don't think people in Seattle actually like Amazon um, so but she had mentioned on her podcast which is how about no with Mona who has been on this one before uh, she had mentioned that I don't have a problem filling the air when it's just myself like I'm very good at having a conversation by myself, which I choose to take as a compliment. Because I've also been told I take up, too, I talk too much in conversations. But yeah, it's a strength. <laughs> Monologuing is a strength of <laughs> mine. Talking too much is a strength of mine. Sometimes I need to pause and wait for other people to talk too, except for on, on this podcast. But um, that's it for this week, guys. Next week, I think we're going to get some more Romy on the show. I think that. Uh, I'm pre- I think next week is the week where Rose has all those strippers. Mm, maybe. Mm, I don't know. But if you guys look are looking for more bonus episodes or more of me, make sure you go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. That's where the other episodes are. I'll be recording an episode on that documentary, that documentary, doc, document. I'll be recording an episode on that show on Netflix about that guy who murders his wife and so that'll be up this week for everyone and like I said I have got some Hogan Knows Best for on there where I don't know about a flip cam and there's plenty of shit in the archive for you to listen to and if you don't want to do that that's cool too because next week there'll be another new episode of Buy Pumpkin on the main feed until then bye guys